welcome to Generation Ag, a podcast for the future of agriculture. I'm Kayla. And I'm Lavinia. And we're a couple of young Aggies passionate about celebrating our industry and sharing the stories of people who work in it. Welcome back to another episode of Generation Ag. This will be a special episode for National Ag Day. This morning I live recorded with Riley and Tom and we did this for National Ag Day. We're running a special episode series podcast with the Triple R Network right now called Road to Recovery and we're focusing on natural disasters that have occurred in Western Australia. And I thought that it was really important to get Tom and Riley to tell the story of the Esperance fires from their perspective. So if you aren't familiar with Tom and Riley, they are broadacre farmers from Skadden, Western Australia, and they have doubled in size in the last three years. So they're running a big program now and we'll wait and talk about that more. Riley went back to Perth after his dad passed away and studied an agribusiness degree at Curtin. And Tom stayed on the farm and has been heavily involved with the Bushfire Brigade, Ag Connect WA and a variety of other things within the region. Both of them are intelligent young men who are so resilient and have been through so much and I'm so proud to call them a friend and family to me. Uh, you will hear we talk a little bit about it. Riley is um, has been dating my sister for a very long time. So yes, they've both been in my family for a very long time. So it was a privilege to chat with them this morning. I appreciate them both so much. If there is one episode that you listen to and share, it needs to be this episode because I think everyone will get so much out of it. And it just goes to show how resilient and such a brilliant industry agriculture is. So let's get into the episode. So Tom, tell me about your decision to go to ag school, but then the decision at 18, you came home and you were doing harvest. So six years ago to the day, you had just gone through the fires, um, (laughs) it was the most crazy time. So let's rewind to six years back and talk about that time to decision of leaving school from ag school and then coming back onto the farm to help your dad with harvest. Mm, So yeah, I left, well, left school on I think I graduated like a couple of days before the fires Mm -hmm. but yeah I was at Cundy like from year 11 and year 12 I guess and I was at I went to Hale for a little bit but I just didn't like it and ended up coming home Um, and then a lot of my friends were going to Cundy and I thought that was a good fit for me like ag school wise and I still did my ATAR there and stuff which was a bit of a challenge but it was good and then um yeah, it was really like good opportunity there. You get to do like farm side of things, bit of trade, and then you still can get your like uni entry if you want. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I went and did that, and that just was really good for me because my friends that were there are all the same, like like minded, and um, I got along with them really well. And I just felt more at home there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I did year 11 and 12 there, and then um, after that, I came back to the farm and I wasn't really sure what I was going to do, but I sort of was planning on like uni maybe Mm -hmm. um, in Perth. And then, yeah, obviously the fires happened and stuff and I was back helping with harvest. Yeah. And then... Do you want to talk about that harvest prior to the fires? Sort of like paint the scene with what sort of season was it? How was it working with your dad as an adult for the first time? What was that like? Yeah. So I think it was a pretty big year from memory. Like Mm. it was a fair while ago now, but it was pretty good one and they had a good run so like 
when we come home middle of november they were almost finished harvest pretty much there was like a couple of blocks left i think yeah yeah it was it was going to be the best season yeah for sure yeah so we well dad come up to graduation and riley and daniel were back there harvesting i think and then yeah when i come back riley must have gone back up to perth for his graduation or something and then yeah so we were just we like come back and just jumped on the chase bin for a couple of days and then um with daniel and dad they were still there and then yeah then i was only back there for probably two or three days before like that bushfire happened but it was yeah. real like it was a pretty dry harvest i guess yeah it was that's why they had such a good run mm-hmm. and then i think they just had like that stormy weather which obviously mm-hmm. started the stuff in the bush and that but yeah yeah for sure so moving over to you riley you had come back we're helping your dad out in between your year 12 exams so tell me about what was life like at Hale what was your life like back then 18 year old you just graduating you didn't even get to finish your final exams so yeah tell me about that final harvest for you and your dad yeah I was good I suppose because I was yeah in Perth and then yeah same thing middle of exams so come home um, because I think dad was pretty excited for me and Tom to come home so he managed to like get through until we come home and we yeah shared the harvest i suppose on the header and chaser um yeah and then i was back for i think a week and then yeah i left to go back to perth that morning for um yeah my woodwork exam Mm. so the morning that the fire ripped through yeah i left drove up my commodore and yeah got to perth i suppose and uh yeah, the events just unfolded from there, I suppose, when I was back at um, Hale. Yeah. Do you guys remember seeing the fire starting on that Sunday? Oh, I was a bit worried, I suppose, yeah, because I was driving up. Well, I knew it. It was yeah. there, but I, yeah. Yeah. And then I was hearing on the radio it was getting worse. Because I remember on the Sunday, I was at Sample Hut, and I could see it burning that Sunday, and then I'd gone back to Perth for uni exams. But like we could like it didn't come till the Tuesday, so like it was burning for three days before yeah. it actually really started to cause any issues, and that's so hard to think about now. But I guess for you guys, what you two were going through is so so much in that time. So that like period is kind of a bit of a blur still, I guess. Yeah, it was sort of like just in the bush. Like, just another fire we're but, so used to them well they just go and well they were i suppose but they sort of just it was in between those legs so they're like oh they'll just burn out that's why they didn't immediate immediately they didn't put a break around it yeah but like yeah then obviously later they they tried to i suppose mm. but yeah that it was sort of I don't know, when, well, you would have known when you were looking at it. It was just like kind of normal because there's always, yeah. after you have lightning out there, there's always something that goes up. Yeah, and I suppose so. Like now we understand it because we're back on the farm or me anyway, I understand it. Like they always happen. There's always a fire during harvest and that. And then if there's a really hot day and a windy day, which there was, everyone starts to get a bit worried, which I think Dad was, wasn't he? He was... I think he was talking about it that morning. Like they were aware that it was there, and they were like, oh, "It's going to be a really hot day." So, mm. they were, yeah, a bit worried about it. But yeah, yeah, didn't expect. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember that day, Tom? Like, does that day? Yeah. Vividly. <laughs> oh, I just remember with Dad when we were harvesting because we like we were down on the paddock on the highway there, and we yeah. were harvesting. I think it was wheat or barley there. Yeah. And yeah, the harvest band come on like real early, probably like ten. Yeah. So we 
took the header back to the shed and we were doing a service on it. Like me and Daniel and Dad was just like listen to his fire radio kind of yeah. thing. And then it was probably like one o'clock, I reckon, that they were like, oh, they needed people to go up because it was coming out of the bush into the farmland. So Daniel, he jumped on the truck and then me and Dad were just like chilling at the shed, mucking around, servicing the header. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, and then, that, then we went, then I jumped in with Dad, like Mum just packed us some lunch and stuff and then yeah. we just went, I just went up in Dad's, like, he didn't have a thing on the back because he was just like kind of wood organ, he was just going to like sort of organise a bit of stuff there. Yeah. So, yeah, but I just went with him that day, I suppose, in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. Before we talk about the fire itself, I would love to get a picture from you two about who your dad was because he was like the best person in this world. So I'd love for you to maybe share a really good memory or just paint a picture for the listener on how epic your dad was as a human being because he was pretty bloody special. Yeah, well, I suppose got blown up in the media about the person he was and spoke wasn't exaggerated because yeah he was just an awesome person and he would just do anything for you like for anyone i suppose yeah but yeah i guess he was oh, he wasn't he was just like a normal dad i suppose to us um but he was very playful and i don't know we had such like a adventurous childhood like would always be fishing or camping or yeah just doing stuff and he'd always keep us busy so jet skiing right yeah jet skiing <laughs> He was always, he was like really community orientated. Yeah. Like Absolutely. Always did stuff for like, you know, not just footy, like everything around the community, you know. And yeah, yeah, I suppose yeah. one thing that's stuck with me is he always had time for every single person. Yeah. yeah. No matter who they were, which is a like really good trait, I suppose. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 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 He was like, he was a pretty good family man, obviously. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. He's like, he's like most dads that we know in our area isn't it like you could go to any one of them oh i think your you dad like, he's pretty bloody special like yeah. he he just had the kindest heart like mm. i think you're so right when you guys say that he was just so selfless mm. he and he would he cared and he knew what everyone was doing like yeah. he would take a point of knowing he knew what degree i was doing he, i mean obviously i'm close to you guys so of course he knew but like he knew everything and he listened yeah. mm. not a lot of people genuinely in this world take the time to have heart listen and speak with intention like your dad did that incredibly yeah. well no he was yeah awesome at that um yeah i suppose that's basically a wrap is such a good person and a good dad. Yeah, yeah. he definitely mm. was. He had a heart of gold. So let's jump back into the fire itself. So Tom, you obviously remember um, going out with your dad and you guys were probably going to jump on a fire truck at some point and it really wasn't that intense, the fire, by that time yet. No, nah, it was like, well, we went straight from the house to the like watch point, which was like corner of Williams and... Riggs, I think. Yeah. It was just like sort of. So, just for the listener, how far is that from your house? Probably like 25Ks, yeah. like northwest, yeah. I suppose. So, it's sort of like, yeah, sort of bottom of Cascades, yeah. like, yeah, top of Scadden area. And they had like a, the, like, van from town, the um, DFS van there. That was like the communications point, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So, well, you had to go there first, and then they'd be like, right, I delegate jobs to people. So Daniel was already on the Scadden truck, I suppose. So yeah. me and Dad just went up there, and he was, he was basically because he had one of the fire radios. He was just like, 
I don't know, they probably had like a group of people that were sort of like going to be in charge of different areas or they'd go and warn people. And that was sort of what dad got given, I suppose. Like yeah. he was, he was going to go and like warn people, I suppose. Yeah, that so. was his like dedicated duty for the day. Pretty much, yeah. So I was just, when I went up there, like, I mean, I was only what, still 17, I think. I think, you got, I think you guys had turned 18 because you're in your Oh, well, maybe we were, yeah. yeah. But still only four or five months. Yeah, so I hadn't done much bushfire stuff or like, obviously by default, you're kind of a part of the brigade because you're just there. Yeah. But like, I was just, that was like my first kind of fire, I suppose. So yeah. I was just there like, it's like, oh, don't know what to do really. Yeah. <laughs> that happened. I think that, oh, just a sidetrack, I, I went to first fire when I was yeah 17 so it must have been six months before mm. so on the back of you with dad and then he just assumed like you know what to do but <laughs> yeah because you're only 18 I was like well I had the firefighter but you just don't know what to yeah. do yeah yeah <laughs> where what part of the tree do you point yeah. the water at yeah like, just little things yeah. like that where do you even start yeah like well, what do you do, do first nice. yeah so, 100% you have no idea at that age yeah and so when did you find out about the fires oh I can't remember, it was more of a blur, but it was disgust when I was back there. Yeah, like when I was probably day before I left to Perth. Yeah, so you then, knew yeah. what was happening and what was sort of coming, but um, obviously no one knew to the extent, but you were sort of aware yeah. that it was getting a bit worse. Yeah, but it's just another day, I suppose. Yeah. So that's what it was like. like yeah. It's just you know, another fire during harvest. Yeah, totally. Well, it was only going to, you know, Really, everyone thought, oh, it'll come out of the bush, might burn one bloke's paddy. That'd like, be that's it. what they were set up for, but yeah. no one expected the weather. The weather was the thing that, like, obviously escalated yeah. it. Yeah. It would, like, the forecast weren't, until, like, two hours before, everyone was like, oh, shit, mm. it's going to be way worse than what everyone thought. But so when did you, because you evacuated, what time was that that you left? Well, we left, me and Dad left the farm at, like, one. Yeah. to go to the fire and at that point like everything was everyone was still doing their normal thing it was just a harvest ban yeah and then it wasn't until like people weren't getting evacuated until probably like lay or mid arvo when it was actually coming coming through like up you know like top of the niches and all yeah that up there yeah so like it was like when we which when was we already through, like, too late oh yeah yeah and yeah. when we went to the fire at like one or two o'clock it was just like i don't know it was everyone just was there like oh it's bad, but everyone thought probably just be home, you know, yeah. normal fire, you're yeah. home by dark or, yeah, totally. and yeah, and we went, when I was actually sitting in the ute up there, I was like sitting in dad's Prado by myself and um, there was like a bunch of other dudes around outside because I was a young guy, I was just like kind of chilling there Yeah. and Tom Butcher, the guy who actually like passed away as well mm-hmm. from, he's, he was working for Campbell's, Yeah. he actually like jumped in the ute and sat in the ute with me. Yeah. And I was just talking to him and asking him about what he's doing and stuff. And then, yeah, and I only thought wow, after the fire, I was like, well, how did he, like, it was just weird that he sat in the car with me, like, that day. You've so never weird. told that story before about I've that I've told part. a few people, but that when just, I thought back to it, yeah, yeah I was like, that's so weird. But he just yeah. sat in there because we were just, like, listening to the little um, yellow, you know, the fire rate. Yeah, yeah. It was just like, yeah, it was so weird. yeah. And you guys both have stories from your cousin Daniel and a few other people, obviously, that filled in the little gaps. So maybe, Riley, you want to start a little bit about talking about what some people were experiencing or perhaps a little bit of from Daniel's perspective about 
what he's talked about and how he spoke on the fire. Yeah, I suppose. Oh, Tom, I'll do my best. Tom's probably better to speak about it. But yeah, I suppose Daniel, he got the same as Tom. They went up there and um, yeah, they more just followed it down, I think, because mm. they couldn't actually get in front of the fire. So they just kept following it down and yeah, I suppose going alongside it and watching it just rip through paddocks and whatnot. Mm. But in yeah. terms, yeah, they couldn't actually do anything. They were more just following where it went. And yeah. No one really stood in front of it. No. Nah. Well, like, I think, Except for Lockie. Yeah. Well, and Kyle and Kyle Stone and Chunky, they they ran in, they ran into trouble. Like they yeah, were, they they got their Ute burnt. Hey. Yeah. Or Stony got he got burnt like really bad. Like Chunk. Yeah. You have you have to talk to Chunky about it one day. It's like yeah. Yeah. They were in the Ute and they thought like they were the Ute. The Ute stopped. Yeah. Because right. it was so hot. Yeah. Yeah. Oxygen, yeah pretty much. For people listening, because I I think. Uh, we'll share some photos, but just for scale, like visually, I mean, I know you evacuate, but like it was insane, right? It was like 10 foot high flames. Like no one really stood a chance. It's probably the biggest miracle that not more people didn't make it through because mm. there's so many stories of people, no one really knew what was going on. The communication was so... Um, like there was no communication no yeah. no one knew what they were doing what time was it for both of you that you realized that this was going to be like tom when did you realize that it was going to be catastrophic oh i reckon when like when we started coming down and warning people yeah to like get out i was like this is kind of bad because i've never done that before. yeah and yeah. then and then when um we went to like thomas's and then come back down and we dropped um we dropped one of our workies at Campbell's when yeah. Daniel jumped on the truck and when dad was like, oh, you jump in that, you didn't go on, you go warn the like south people yeah. of Griggs Road and I'll yeah. do the north and I was just like, shit, I was like crapping myself then because I've never done, even been to a fire and when dad was like, you need to go do that, I was like a bit scared because yeah. I was like, oh, I don't even know what I'm doing and yeah. what if I tell someone to leave and they don't even listen? Yeah, <laughs> but that's something you have to like, you've done your bit you can't yeah. blame yourself for that yeah and it was just i don't know that was when i sort of thought oh it's kind of bad yeah but yeah, yeah. no one no one really knew like because yeah. it's just no one's ever been in that situation before 100%. i guess that's why everyone was a bit and no communication was even working because the fire, the towers yeah, had already been burnt nothing was like working so yeah, yeah. Riley, on your end, do you remember being in Perth and hearing people communicating with you and like hearing like outrageous, crazy messages? Like, yeah, oh, I suppose, yeah, I was up there oh, in my own world, I guess. Like, we went up and we found out that it had got to your house, which is your. So the fire started what probably eighty k's west of our house, and your house is. 20 k's east of us yeah and then i just started to connect the dots i was like oh shit that would have probably gone through my house yeah and that was at about five o'clock i think and yeah and yeah your sister she was um you know worrying about her horses and all that and mm-hmm. yeah then i suppose yeah mum was worried because she couldn't get a hold of dad so yeah i was trying to call dad as well and yeah that's when we were just like oh jeez bit more serious than we think yeah um, but then again we put it down to the communication like oh, it's just not answering because 
you know, the phone towers, towers are down. Are down and, yep. It's yep. all okay. A hundred percent. I think we yeah. always think in these situations it's, it's going to be okay because that's just how we've yeah. been brought up and how resilient we're all, we've all been our whole lives. And nothing like that ever happened before no. in our community. Yeah. Well, that I can remember probably. Uh, has, well, na- nationally, nothing like that. Yeah. I mean, the big fires have gone through the East Coast now, but essentially we've probably got a population in Skadden what, of about 100, I'd say, give yeah. or take. Yeah, probably, yeah. Roughly, if you think, probably count kids as well. And to think basically every single person in that community had their home farm burnt, almost lost their house, mm. and we lost your father and three other really important people in the community as well. Mm. It's it's pretty terrifying. Yeah. yeah. Like to think back, the fact that we've, we've gone through that. I remember people were texting me, but I'd get different messages from people. Yeah. And people would be like, oh, it's up, it's on this road, which is like north of us. And they're like, oh, it's not going to get your home farm. You're going to be fine. Mm. Like it's north of you. Don't even stress. Like I think it's all sorted. And then I get other people being like, your whole home farm is burnt. Yeah. And like that was terrifying to yeah. hear. Because you go, oh my God. And the same thing, we didn't hear from my dad till 10. And thankfully he was okay. But I did call him at five and he goes, I've got to go. Like this is really bad. And I didn't, you just didn't think the scale. Like no one... No one, if anyone listening has ever driven from Scadden, if you're driving along the highway, it's basically from Scadden Road, which is about 5Ks before the town. What, all the way, how far north? About, yeah, so what, that's 35Ks. Along that highway, that it burnt across, then it long ways. Like, it's just... Yeah, well, the front of it was like 60Ks, I think. Yeah. Like, at one point. Yeah. But it burnt, probably... You draw a line from the farmland at Cascades to where it sort of stops. It's just it's after our farm, yeah. And it went like, well, I, I think it's 250 k's for us to drive from where it ended where we are all the way up to the beginning yeah. of the fire. And it burned, it was like over, I, th- I think it was over like 200,000 hectares or yeah, 250,000 hectares. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's like a big area. You what the space of, yeah, four, four hours. hours. Yeah, yeah, just ripped through. Yeah. Well, like, they, you know, you hear the stories of like, from stinking that in the fire truck they're like they're driving along Griggs Road and they're looking out in the paddock they're doing like 80 in the truck and the fire's going straight past them yeah like burning past them yeah that's like pretty quick yeah it, it was crazy to even fathom it and yeah. when did you head to town well I actually went to town so I like went down to um like Lewis's and Stones and that to yeah. warn them yeah this was probably like three or four o'clock yeah and then yeah I like told them to they had to leave and stuff and then i went to the corner of griffiths and the highway mm. and there was a fire truck there i think it was a gibbo truck and they were like stopping traffic because it yeah. was going to come across the highway yeah and i was like oh i told him like, oh my dad just told me to warn people because yeah. dad said meet me at uncle darren's yeah which is further up the highway yeah and that truck had only like just rolled up there yeah so i was going to turn there and they're like oh you're not allowed to go and i was like i had my uniform on so i was like oh I sort of went to the fire and I just told them that that's what I got told to do. And they're like, nah, mate, you can't come up here. So then well, I just Tom, went to town. If you hadn't yeah. gone there, you yeah. may not be here. Well, maybe, I don't know. but Because no, no one was right there like unless you got unless you had gotten to Darren and Kelly's mm. and been safe on the gravel. But like... Yeah, well, I, I spoke to Uncle Darren so I couldn't get a hold of Dad. Yeah. All right. And I spoke to Uncle Darren he was like, oh, yeah, just come up, meet me here, the fire's not here yet. Yeah. And then I was like, they obviously didn't let me, so I just went. I just drove to Gibbo because mum and like a heap of other ladies had gone to um, Steve-O's 
yeah, racing. You yeah, know? yeah. So I just drove there, and then when I got there, they were they had to leave because Gibbo was getting evacuated. Yeah. So then we just went to town. Yeah. So I was just like kind of forced there because I was yeah. like, I couldn't do anything else. But maybe that was the best thing for you at the time. I think. Yeah, maybe. Well, I was in that old banged up little Hilux <laughs> driving around. I was like, this it's thing's gonna shit itself. <laughs> it was like overheating and shit. And I'm like, <laughs> I think probably at the time looking back that was probably the best thing for the universe to like keep you away because I think mm. if either of you had been with your dad or had found him I think that would have been something to to probably like you never yeah. would have and I, I guess speaking about that it's like when when who, who called you when did you find out like what time was that oh, I was probably yeah, oh, I found. I was. I don't really. I must be my last phone calls. Yeah, I was at seven thirty, I think. But I know. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, Maybe it was later because it was. I think the it was later was because Dad. I specifically remember I called Dad at five, like yeah. at five, being like, "Are you okay?" And he was like, "The fire front." So obviously, um, your dad had already passed, which yeah. was the most terrifying thing. Your dad had already passed, and then the fire hadn't even got to my dad, and so he was about to fight the fire. Thank God, we probably didn't know that that had happened because that probably would have shook him up way more but yeah. um knowing at that point but yeah. no yeah. one probably if it had barely found your well, dad well i think actually a story yeah and a story of daniel they um so they were driving i think was it next to the fire or just um just behind it i think yeah and they couldn't see any smoke or anything and then they saw yeah dad's car in the bush there yeah. and um they were just like, oh, jeez, no one really wanted to go and have a look at it. Mm-hmm. And um, someone did, and they just had a look at the front seat. All good. He wasn't in the front seat. No, was, yeah, obviously, yeah, in the back. And, um, yeah, so lucky, I suppose, they didn't see that yeah. then, but that was probably the first. The but first they still didn't realise your dad was there, though. Well, they didn't see it, so they were like, oh, so they God. Th- so they thought his car had just been abandoned yeah, and he yeah, had gone. Yeah. Yeah, okay. But um yeah, and then they turned around and yeah, it must have been later when someone yeah, looked a bit closer, mm-hmm. I suppose, and yeah. Yeah, well I think it was the I think it was the Pink Lake Brigade. Yeah. I don't know if that's I don't know if that's true, but they, they were the ones that like pulled up there first and then like obviously like Dave well Dave Vandy, he was the one who like rang me because I was and in just town. Um, Dave, he's like your dad's best friend. He's kind of yeah. like a second dad to you guys. Yeah, like, so for anyone to tell friends. you that he's probably was the best person to talk oh, to. Oh, definitely. And it was like, it wasn't like a, you know, a softy phone call. It was just like, he told us what it was and that was it. And it was kind of good. Yeah. In a way, because you just like, you sort of just like, you get told it and then you just take it on board. It's yeah. not like, you know, if someone rings you and they're crying away it's like you kind of obviously get sad yeah so it was, yeah it was just it was good what like, what was going through your mind right then i don't know i was just like i didn't even react i was like oh this is weird and it's it too, just, so much to process in one day right mm-hmm. like your dad had passed your whole home farm had been burnt you didn't know if you even had a bloody house left yeah everyone else in the community was unaccounted for pretty much at that time so we didn't even mm. know who else had been had had issues happen like it was so much to take in it's almost like you couldn't even friggin figure it out in your brain it was kind of good though that it was in a way like if anything could have been good it was actually not bad that we got told like in the evening yeah because like you 
we were all that buggered that you sort of went to sleep and then the next day was when it sort of like you know everyone was that was like the wave i suppose but it was kind of like okay but i just remember like the first thing i did when i got told i got back to the unit and then i rang so straight away i remember talking to you on the phone and you telling me yeah because i you two were there and i was like oh well because we couldn't get hold of them guys and I was like, oh, who's even closest to Oh, my God. And I was like, oh, Riley's. She couldn't get hold of Riley, so you called us first. Well, oh, yeah, my God. Yeah, I just God. called Soph or you. Cause I, was like, I think oh. you called Soph, and then Soph was so hysterical, she couldn't speak. Yeah. And and I, we were just like, what the? And then you gave me the phone and you told me. And I was just in shock, and I was like, you guys know me. You know, I, in a thing like that, I, I try not to react and go, okay, right, we have to go and get Riley and Emma and Brit. We're, they're not staying. Like, that was my first thing because mum and, and Soph were just hysterical mess. But then we we drove to go and get you guys. And I, obviously, Soph had called you to say, we're coming to pick you up because we were not going to let you stay there, which I think, thank, like, that would have been terrible to stay. But thank right. God we did that because, like, Emma slept in bed with me and she just cried all night. Like, just thinking about it now was just so gut-wrenching. But I'm so happy that she, you know, felt my comfort and that knew someone was yeah. next to her. And same for you having Soph next to you because, like, it was just... And you had your mum down here, obviously, mm. but, like... You don't remember a lot. Like, you just... Even now, you, like, this stuff, you're like, oh, that, that happened. Yeah. Well, like, oh, I remember I was in the Macca's drive-thru getting some, getting some chips because I was so hungry after the fire. Yeah. And then Trent... Trent just, like, walks down the road and hops in the U with me and I was like this is weird because they they everyone knew before us sort of oh. thing so Trent someone had obviously said to me like to Trent's mum oh Tom's just getting some food so Trent like just basically walked down the road jumped in the U with me yeah and then one second later Dave Vandy rang and then <gasps> it was good though because Trent was there and, yeah, and he was my mate you went on your felt own felt so comfortable yeah yeah. Looked yeah. After you. yeah yeah and he was just like oh I think he ordered some Maccas as well, big trend. And then we just like sat in the ute and then we just went through the drive-thru and we, we didn't even do anything. We just kept driving through the drive-thru. Like we didn't even get our food. We just kept driving through. Like you, so your head weird. was not in food right then. You were just like, wow. People would have been like, what the fuck? Yeah, I think everyone probably... Uh, and then that night, obviously, like was just crazy. And I guess the next morning, Tom, you were processing, Riley, your auntie and uncle came and picked you up. Yeah. What, what was that drive like home? Oh, yeah, it was a long drive, I suppose. Uh, it was kind of good because, like, we just had eight hours where you could sit and think. Didn't have anything, like, external going on. It was just me in the car. I yeah. suppose I could just actually, yeah, think about it. And that was probably... Yeah, looking back now, like that was probably one of the saddest times I had because it was right then and there and I could yeah, properly think about it. Yeah. So in that respect, it was good. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it, same again, it's just weird because no one knew how to act. Like, no do you one. put on a brave face? Yeah. Do you, you know, immerse yourself in your emotions? Yeah. You don't know what to do. Yeah. yeah it's um, almost like awkward though. Yeah. Well, I just felt awkward the whole time. I'm like, God, how am I meant to feel, you know? Or how are you meant to act because yeah. it was so young, whereas, you know, not that it will happen again, but if something like that happened again, you just can be, like, raw in yourself, whereas you try and put on a face. And 
Yeah. yeah. And I mean, Riley and I spoke a little bit about this last night, Tom, about how you guys were only 18 and obviously you're about, you you know, you're going to be 25 very soon. And the men that you guys have become, like, he's phenomenal and I'm so, so privileged to be your friend. And, you know, I feel like we're pretty much... We're family. We are family. We are family. <laughs> we are. Riley, we're family yeah, before you and Sophie and Jane. family, sadly. <laughs> I suppose, yeah, well, that's the attitude that Dad had, like... Yeah. Don't, there's no point sulking about it. Just get on with it. Mm. But also, yeah, it was easy in that respect because we had the whole community behind us. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, had a lot of, like, support. Yeah. Mm. Well, if we needed something, like, Some someone was there. there. Yeah. Like, it, you didn't even have to ask. There was already people yeah. just doing stuff. Yeah. Like, go back out the farm the day after and there's it was people clean. cleaning stuff. Do you... Remember after, obviously, it was a lot of media and a lot of press and a lot of people, especially you, especially your dad. And obviously, he wasn't the only person taking in the fires, but he was very much publicised, like the front of the West. I think he was front of national papers as well. Um, you know, we we had journalists calling us. You guys had people calling every single day. What was that like? Yeah, I don't know. It was like it. Well, when we're in, because we stayed in town for a while, obviously, because, like, well, everything was getting cleaned up. Yeah. But it was, like, we didn't see a lot of it. A lot of, like, um, dad's mates and well, some of our family did, but they, they didn't really want to deal with the, like, media as well, yeah. which is yeah. fair enough. But a lot of dad's mates and that, they took a lot of it. Like, yeah. the media were just, like... They dealt know, with like, it on your behalf. Yeah. yeah. And that, you know, they were... That's their job, obviously. Like, they've got to do what they got to do. Yeah. But they were, like, you know... They are always, like, out the front of the unit just waiting for us to come out and then, like, stink. They were? I didn't know that. Yeah, they were... That, well, I won't name names, but they were, you know, parked in their jetty car park and they would... You know, they'd just wait for someone to come out. And I remember, because, like, stink and that were always over at our yeah, place, just, like, yeah, chilling totally. or whatever. And that, they took a lot of it. Like, they'd, they'd go out and then speak to them and then they'd do an interview or whatever but like yeah. i think they did one out the front of um darren and kelly's unit in town and that was like sort of the main the first main one which sort of like gave a lot of people some answers and just like it was so brave by like stink and gus and mm-hmm. willie and dave like they all did it they were like yeah. the friendship group you know yeah. and it was good that they they did that because mm-hmm. it kind of like took the pressure off a bit but yeah, yeah. But yeah i suppose in the sense the media it was good because it gave dad like recognition, I suppose, yeah. of the person he was. Mm. Like, yeah, there was a lot, but I don't know. I suppose it was fitting for dad. Yeah. Gave him yeah. credit. Yeah. And it was, it was sort of just, I don't know. It was annoying, but like at the same time, I, I was always in the thing of like, I wish dad bugger off, but it's like, you know, at the end of the day, it's their job. They're yeah. just being given You respected job. what they were trying to do. Because yeah. That's, yeah, it wasn't them as individuals. They were getting told by big companies, yeah. we need this story. And mm. yeah. yeah. It's better than dad just being forgotten about. Yeah. Like Could never be forgotten about. No, no. Man. But, uh, yeah. And a lot of the people I've found after, like a lot of the media stuff that we might have done, like podcasts or just anything, like interviews and stuff, they've been like really respectful. And yeah. like they'd touch on dad. But then the rest of it would be about, you know, the family, what we're doing now and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, obviously, you have to get a bit of the story, but, like, 
they've all been really good like that, which has been yeah. nice. It hasn't just been like in your face about dad passing away and the, yeah. and the backpackers and all that. So, yeah. yeah. So you guys, obviously the aftermath, you were staying in town and, you know, you were going out and trying to, because there wasn't just one thing to fix. There was, you know, everyone's crop had basically been burnt. So there was almost nothing left for anyone to harvest. Fences were lost, livestock were dead, you know, people were lucky who had houses standing, houses were lost. And then in amongst that, you guys are trying to be a part of organising a funeral and putting together a funeral. I can't exactly remember. Was it two weeks after the funeral or longer? Yes. I can't remember what exactly. A bit yeah, two or three weeks. They had... Yeah, they had to do a lot of investigating. Yeah, investigating yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, which is good because it gave us all time to think about. Yeah. Yeah, everything. Yeah. What you want to do. Mm. Do you remember the funeral at all? Oh, not really, eh? Like, I remember. Yeah, I remember it to every minute. Yeah. I've never actually, and I've never, like, obviously someone recorded it, I've never watched that. Yeah. But, like, yeah. I, I, I remember bits of it, but, yeah. I don't know, it's kind of, even, like, if you see photos now of, like, the funeral and that, I'm just like, fuck, that was so long ago. It was, it was a massive day, mm. because I think, I think it was a massive day. Obviously, for you guys, you were in it um, completely in, like, like everyone was watching you obviously but it wasn't just you guys it was like everyone from that whole area like everyone just was exhausted and like it was like it wasn't just a sorrow losing your dad and losing the other people it was everyone was like oh we're so sorry about it, it was the first time there'd been a community event for the other people in the region mm. of Esperance and other farming people to come up like it was exhausting yeah. Like it was, it was exhausting, and I think for you guys, it was so impressive. And I'm so proud of you both, and Emma and your mum for getting up. You all spoke amazingly. You all talked about your dad, but there was over two thousand people there, mm. and people came like for context for the listener. I'm not sure if you like your principals came from Canada and Tom. Like people came yeah. from all over the state, interstate, to attend that funeral. Like it's yeah. probably one of the biggest funerals this town's ever seen. Yeah, there was a lot of people there, and just like you said, people. I don't know, they know you're like your footy coach from school or yeah. just like people like that. Just come to like support. Yeah. Support you and yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, it was it's good. Impressive. And it's so like on the day you just like see everyone and you're like, right, I need to go see everyone and you just don't. Yeah, I left. <laughs> I was so tired yeah. afterwards. I was like, after you, like all the formalities concluded, I think I stayed for about an hour and I left. Yeah. It was so tiring. Well, I left straight away too because I suppose everyone like wants to make small talk with you and I was just like no I'm getting out of here yeah. which yeah, yeah the same again I just went and hung out with all my mates I suppose and yeah I think we did go to like yeah. Tom's yeah. house or something yeah, yeah I, I, I don't remember that as much but I remember going home getting changed and we hang out, hung yeah. out there for a bit but yeah it was in hindsight probably should have like hung around the funeral and I think you also in that moment needed to do what was right for you. And I think making a few selfish selfish decisions was okay because that was your way of processing. But it wasn't like a private, just family only. Like it wasn't like, you know, I was exhausted. So I don't even want to know how you guys. And everyone was still in the midst of, you know, having everything else to deal with on the farm. Like nothing had been sorted out. And I guess that's a really good like trajectory of looking like what what were you guys when you properly got back there like like when did you go shit like th- we're running this farm yeah. oh, oh well, i know oh, i didn't yeah. do that once <laughs> it was more like <laughs> like oh 
I suppose when did when did it happen on Australia? I remember we were reseeding. Yeah, we were seeding was, millet or something. Yeah, millet and cover up the ground. And yeah, tell people why you were doing that because that's an important part of the story that no one really like yeah. the wind. Oh, I suppose yeah, the wind, like the wind erosion. Like when we were out there, it was just like oh, sand pit basically. Desert. It was just you can sand imagine, going like. It was hard to imagine, really, because there's this sand going everywhere. and well, There's not one, like, you picture a paddock, and there's not one piece of organic matter. It's just bare ground. Yeah, yeah. it was It was. And Esperance terrible. is a very windy place. Yeah. So, it was yeah, we were seeding, we were seeding <laughs> millet for cover. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's and to stop weird. the erosion, basically. Yeah. But I suppose the first time, no one really knew what to do. Yeah. We were fortunate that it rained a lot, which helped the millet grow. And yeah. Get yeah. some cover. Yeah. yeah. So we're doing that. When was that? Australia Day. Yeah. Um, we're seeding that. And I suppose we were 18. I just wanted to go and go to the beach and rally. Have you some just beers wanted to party. Yeah, you were not about um, <laughs> nah, working on the farm nah, at all. Not at that point, anyway. Yeah. So. Well, there was a couple that we still had when we. I think it must have been. I think it was just after New Year's or Christmas when everyone had. Well, maybe. No, it was before when everyone had got gotten our shit together a bit mm. and like we still had that paddock of um barley down on Griffiths Road yeah that we hadn't harvested so yeah that was good we had we harvested that with Uncle Darren and like yeah that was like probably a three or four day kind of thing which yeah. was nice like all the family come out and like we harvested all that and then we yeah we saved a bit of that for um made dad's beer yeah so like that was that was nice but it was more that was good actually to have that because like you'd go down there and it wasn't far from the farm you'd go down there and it was like normal it wasn't yeah. like burnt or yeah crisp, it so. looked nice still yeah. golden yeah. yeah normal crop but it was pretty well basically after christmas wasn't it like when we sort of we were like said down well we'll work on the farm and we sort of just figured out as we went along but mm, that was our intention anyway we're gonna have gap year back mm. on the farm and yeah, oh that's right back. you stayed that first year didn't you yeah 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 but i was barely it would have been a task to try and teach me how to farm so i probably didn't really want to be there initially but after yeah probably four months i was actually starting to enjoy it but yeah at the start i think you would have known too tom i just really wanted to be in perth hanging out with my friends i suppose yeah being an 18 year old i guess yeah i think at 18 especially as a guy because it takes you guys a little bit longer to sort of get yourselves together um you were just it just wasn't even your trajectory and that's okay because it's not like it wasn't supposed to be no one expected you to be you know you still stepped up a lot and you should be proud of yourselves like tom Mm. you have really done such a good job but rally as well like you know you went away you did your ag degree you've come back you've bought different resources and tools and now you two can farm together even Mm. more successfully it's like you guys need to give yourselves a pat on the back you've done bloody well this year oh thanks they're not done yet. They Got don't. Off yet. For anyone listening, they are the most proud two young farmers. Like you guys need to be like, like especially this year, you've done it all yourselves. Mm, it's been good. Like, well, we never would have done it. I'm glad we had a. It's probably a good thing that one of us did go away because we wouldn't be farming together now. We yeah. Probably wouldn't yeah. Argued. Like distance makes the hearts go fronder. I think. Yeah. Like You two probably appreciate yourselves more today than you ever have. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And like obviously we wouldn't even know the stuff we know now without yeah. 
the our community members that farm that helped us family like mainly like yeah. our uncles and stuff and like daniel he's like oh yeah such our cousin family. basically he stayed over so he was coming over for like seasonal work he'd been coming over for 10 years yeah and he hasn't got the recognition he deserves like he dropped mm. dropped everything come yeah. over to help us out for two years lived and in donga for th- three years yeah just daniel you're legend if you're listening yes. but no he does he should get so much recognition even just teaching us small things about like you know working hard mm. enjoying your time off having a beer and yeah, yeah he was awesome he mm. kind of so he like basically he was like stayed with uncle Darren, i guess but those him and darren were sort of like the boss of us I suppose, oh yeah they the they did it all. yeah they did everything yeah really. we were just working yeah. yeah what would you think your dad would say now if he was to see you guys and what you've achieved in the last couple of years i don't know hey well i always think about that and sometimes i think oh well, i wonder if we're you know he'd come back and be like oh you, what are you doing that for something but in what in what way like just a certain practice oh just, just little little more things. innovative do you think you've changed or you're probably like yeah. that he would be like oh i'm not sure i think he'd be proud of us for having a crack like with the lease block and stuff yeah and mum always said he'd always wanted us to have a challenge so he'd he was wanting us to lease or buy a farm that needed a lot of work or a bit of a challenge for ourselves which we've probably done this year like yeah. with the lease oh it's a big big thing to bite off like yeah it was all good and then when we started doing it we're like oh shit <laughs> a lot of work i want i do want you guys to talk a little bit more in detail but before that i'd like to know from the fire six years ago what has changed in the community now so that you're better prepared for a fire if it was to happen like that now and what changes have you guys seen that will better off the community yeah um well I guess since the fires, there's been a lot of stuff in like the media and and like the inquest, state, yeah, and state government about you know like legislation and all of that stuff. But and yeah, the inquest was a pretty big thing, and that obviously took a long time to mm. be finalised. But mm. yeah, I think since then, like people have just become more. I don't know if it's because I'm more involved in the brigade now, and you see it. But like, I just think people have become more aware and. Um, prepared for like a fire or even just at a local level in a brigade like people are you know there's the whatsapp groups and people are just safer you know like they don't take the risk and there's a lot more quick reaction hey like if there's a fire no one's sitting back being like oh they don't need us it's like everyone is there every person in the community everyone knows like the worst case scenario absolutely to prevent that yeah and a lot of stuff like well, we didn't have a lot to do with it, but a lot of people in the community did, like in, especially from scattered in like all the higher up stuff. Like, there's a lot of like stuff now, I guess, about you know water bombers and things like that. Like the Cascades community, they've just you know knocked up an airstrip with a water tank for a water bombing land. Yeah, what's like, Gadden? We've yeah, we've just got some water tanks, which mm. I think Uncle Darren, he's been like the driver in that and there's probably other people as well but the dam has just been like extended the catchment and there's like 200,000 litre water tank and I think yeah there's two of them so there's like there's probably half a million half a million litres like in Scadden now yeah in the centre of town right next to the fire shed yeah for either a fire or 
drought or yeah. just, just things like that. Yeah. Preparedness. Obviously, we got a new fire shed yeah. when the hall got burnt, but yeah. like no one mucks yeah. around, you know. Yeah. There's a fire, everyone's there. Mm. And there's like always things. I think the events before harvest are good too, like training. Everyone's on to like, right, those seasonal guys are going to go down, get trained up. Yeah. You know, it's just, and people investing in, um, gear on farm too like mm-hmm. guys are buying their own trucks everyone's got their own fire truck almost now don't they yeah and you make yeah. sure you even if you got a little farmer spec bloody unit it's probably the dodgiest thing in the world like everyone makes sure they work yeah and yeah it's, uh, people are just more like compliant and just yeah. aware now you know yeah. it's not just like oh there's a fire and yeah. just tow whatever out there yeah. it's a bit more or yeah. even you'll see now especially around Scadden there is always a ute with a fire like um, trail attached in mm. every paddock they're harvesting now yeah. in Scadden that you cannot miss. They do not, no one gets around without one. Mm. And that is something that's essentially important as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's really good. And there's a lot of communication between brigades now too. And yeah. Like you said, people just drop whatever. Like there's yeah. a fire, it's like, who cares? Just go to it. Yeah. Because you know yeah. it's going to affect you. Yeah if you don't i guess yeah. and if you ever have something on your farm you know if you don't go well like if you have something then it's kind of like oh yeah who's going to come and help you, you exactly so yeah it's about the community for yeah. sure yeah definitely so because you know if you're in that boat one day and no one's going to come and give you a hand well it'll be pretty crap yeah <laughs> that's for sure yeah. well i don't think you two have to worry but yeah. i want to know and i know that's probably what everyone listening is wanting to know it's like what you guys have been able to achieve in the last couple of years or just talk about your farm the growth that you guys have had taking on the leases the challenges like let's let's move forward and like talk about that in detail a little bit yeah well i suppose yeah i went to uni i was mucking around in perth for a few years and then i thought i'd better do something uh so yeah i went to uni for three years um did my ag degree and then yeah decided to come home I suppose I always was coming home and working during the holidays and that yeah and loved it um yeah so since I've been home Tom took on a lease when was it last year um 600 hectares and then yeah we just got a another lease this year um which is yeah 2,000 hectares so we've probably doubled our size in a few years yeah which has been challenging I want to talk about that you have doubled your farming practice in two years at 24 mm. with with no, you've got support but like you're you guys are doing this on your own mm. yeah well what reflecting now like it was probably we yeah very ambitious and we but it's we didn't, paying off yeah well, it's going okay. hopefully we'll see soon yeah once harvest is done but there's no like probably there's no land that comes up here really yeah um, so we just thought leasing will, yeah, get our scale up a bit and hopefully put us in a better position to buy. Yeah. 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 And it's been a really good challenge. Like we've learnt a lot because what we were two and a half thousand hectares before. Yeah. So we we're quite small. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, well, it's not even just having more land. It's like, just logistics wise, like machinery and you know you got to double all of that. Mm-hmm. Just. It's been like big learning curve, yeah. like workmen and building accommodation and yeah. stuff like that. But it's been good and like we we wouldn't have been able to do it without each other because yeah. like you know Riley knows a lot more about probably like the financial side of things and yeah. all of that and yeah. he like 
analyzes all of that way more than what I do. Yeah. And I'm more of a practical like side of things. So you complement each other well. Well, very well. Yeah. I'm probably not that hands on. I suppose I like the more business side. Yeah. But Tom, you know, yeah, you he's know, I enjoy more. the like the fit, you know, fixing and the manual work on the ground yeah. and stuff like yeah. that. Like Les, yeah, Riley's a lot Riley's a lot better from probably from his uni skills as like just being on a machine and making yeah. sure everything's running properly yeah. and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Being a steering wheel attendant. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, now, to be successful in agriculture, you need to understand how a business runs. Yeah. But you're, you need to have your skills, Tom. But Riley, you need to have your skills because you're so right. It's not just about actually putting input in and having an output. It's actually the numbers. It's making it better. It's streamlining it. Mm. It's working out how to be sustainable so that, you know, especially you guys, it's about legacy for you. you know, what, mm. Are you guys fourth or fifth generation farmers, I think? Probably. I think oh, fifth, probably I think fifth yeah. because that's, that'd be the same as I. Yeah. Um, then, you know, it's legacy. Yeah. It's like you want your grandchildren to be able to farm. Yeah. Oh, and and if, if you want that, you have to be smart about it. Yeah, if you want to grow too. Like, I suppose we've realised that as we've gone a little bit bigger, like you have to pick up the small inefficiencies and improve them, I suppose. Because when you're 2,500 hectares in a relatively reliable area, like it's pretty easy farming, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Now that we've gone, you know, 90Ks from home one way and 60 the other way, it's like... Yeah, there's a lot more variables that you have to take into account, like, and it's not as easy as just putting the crop in and it basically, you know, grows. Yeah. On the best of times, like, it's been, yeah, that's what's been challenging for us. But it, it's been good to learn because, yeah, one, well, one day we might, if land comes up not around home, we'll, we we'll yeah. might have to do that. And we yeah. know we can yeah. do it. Yeah. Yeah. We know that we can go there, but yeah. So I guess it's been like, it's been hard but like a lot of people have like supported us there too like and we've got mum like on board at home and she you know she does a lot of work in the office and stuff and that makes our life a lot easier to be able to do the on-farm stuff you Mm. know and we sort Mm. of all work together yeah to get all that yeah done I guess so and it helps as well like we keep getting Daniel he keeps coming back for seasonal like seasonally and you know he's based he knows more shit than yeah. yeah, he's awesome to yeah. have back and do that. So yeah, yeah it's, it's almost like he's a work. He like he obviously comes back and works, but he's you know he's basically on yeah. the same stage. Making as us. decisions and yeah, well, for we example, trust him makes it very easy for you guys. Yeah, to if have you have him. someone like that, yeah, because yeah. mm. we well, what we do? We went, went to Broome for our footy tipping wind up. Daniel just manned the fort. He was swathing and the one three-day holiday you two have both yeah. taken this year, <laughs> the one time. Yeah, lucky we got Daniel there. Yeah, yeah. So. In in looking back now, what have been some of the biggest changes in perspective you both have had since the fires? Oh, I suppose one is to just be yourself. I guess I suppose and to own that. Yeah, and yeah. I don't care. Like, I'm learning it more now is just to not care what people think. Mm-hmm. Be yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because I suppose during the fires, you know, I was worrying. I had to please this person. You know, I had to do the right thing for that person. Whereas now you just got to be yourself and still be nice to everyone. But, yeah, just own yourself, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And what about for you, Tom? Yeah, I think that. Like, just 
I don't know, a lot of people, when we come back, it was like, oh, you know, some people were like, you need, you should go away, go to uni, or like everyone was trying to like quietly tell us what to do, yeah. I guess. And yeah, everyone's sort of, got an opinion, don't they? Yeah, and which is fair enough, like we were pretty young, but we just did what we wanted to do in a way with the support of our family and that and friends. And yeah, I'd never regret what I've done now, like not going away. I, I love, I've loved like since I come back and, like yeah you just same as what riley said like now i'm just like it's more about just doing your own thing and caring about the people around you and like not trying to please people or be someone that you're not like i just yeah if people like say you know you shouldn't be doing that or whatever then if you want to do it just like yeah which people have haven't they Mm -hmm. like because we were young coming back a lot of people tried to influence us and in our decisions and yeah. we've learnt the hard way, yeah. And now just got to be yourself and make your own decisions, I suppose. Yeah. And not get bossed around. Yeah. Because, yeah, it's probably a big thing too, isn't it? Being young mm. in the industry, people, yeah, which you know, <laughs> well, people yeah. do, they try and influence your decision a lot. Yeah. And, and change it, yeah. It's probably even hard, like, because of what I do, there's no one above me to dictate because mm. it's new. Like, no one... Uh, who's older than us can really dictate digital and social because they didn't know it better yeah. than what I do. Yeah. But for you guys, people think they know ag better than you. I think experience 100% mm. has a place in ag, 100%. But we are evolving at such an innovative rate that technology is taking over like ever before. So if you're not willing to adapt, adjust, make changes, be agile mm. and do different things, you're actually, you're not being progressive and you're not going to be here in 20 years. Yeah, you're getting left behind. Yeah. And it'll be a big, if you want to catch up, it'll be a massive jump mm-hmm. to do it. Like, yeah, I suppose we're, I, we've just learned to, like, be ourselves, like, from, like, the, from having that, a significant, like, event like that in our lives. You sort mm. of just, it's a bit like now, like, you know, like, oh, I don't give a crap what someone thinks of me. I'll just be who I want to be, you know. Yeah. And if, if that makes you happy, then that's good. And, people that people will around you that want to be around you will, will gravitate towards yeah you. if yeah. you're just doing what you want to do like yeah. and the people that obviously gravitate away are probably not the people that should be in your life i don't think so. yeah yeah 100 percent. that's massive and before we go i've got one final question for you guys which is what what do you see for yourselves what's going to happen in the next five ten years like where where are you going from now because i think you guys are at that point where you're really starting to forward think about what's going to happen so what does that future look like for you if we're sitting here again and you know what i'll be 35 you'll be 34. (laughs) (laughs) what will will i be seeing what will what will you two be doing oh hopefully we'll still be farming together and left foot Unless we've fought each other to death. Nah. We're, um, yeah, hopefully we just want to grow, I suppose. Um, yeah, and hopefully we can keep improving our farming system and getting better because even now, like, I don't know that much about farming, but I just want to keep getting better and better. Mm, um, hopefully secure. Yeah. Like that's our ultimate goal is to try and buy another farm, like yeah. expand a bit. Yeah. But yeah, we'll just see what happens. Like, yeah. Yeah, if we're happy that's the main thing i guess and yeah we've got a good like group of people down here around us like a lot of our friends are sort of back down and well you know coming down and yeah, yeah it's a good like young yeah industry i suppose down here yeah 
um, and a lot of people are always learning things and trying to improve. Yeah. Mm. Which is probably, well, that's my main goal is just to keep improving. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, well, farming's what we love to do and if, yeah, hopefully, we've always got that base, I guess, and hopefully we can expand that. But yeah, yeah. at the same time, like farming's not everything. Like if you, if we wanted to do something else, well, that's never off the table either kind of thing. But I think we're both pretty set with what we want to do, which is why we're trying to, you know, take on the lease and stuff to get us towards that goal, hopefully one day. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Hopefully we can... Uh, Go travelling too. Wouldn't mind going over to... Get to Europe. Yeah, go skiing somewhere. We've got to get... I mean, you want to do the skiing. Everyone else wants to do the summer holiday rally. But hopefully... It'll happen one day. Yeah. Thank you both so much. That was incredible. And I feel very privileged to sit with you here, both on National Ag Day. And can't wait to see what you guys do and i feel so blessed to have you both in my life so thanks yeah. for nah, thanks Vinny, for sitting down and oh. querying us yeah it's been nice it's been good I'm so proud of you both thank you so much for listening to this episode of generation ag we hope you loved it if you did don't forget to visit our guest bios page on our website where you can get all of their contact information and if you have an idea for another guest in the future or a story that you want to hear, you can get in touch with us via our email, which is hello at generationag.com.au. Don't forget to follow us on our socials at generation.ag. That's Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. And if you've loved this episode as well, you can share it with your friends on your socials and make sure to subscribe to us on the podcast app and leave us a review because that all really helps as well. Thanks, guys. Bye.